It makes them doubt their ability to trust in themselves. It can really make the person question their value and their worth. You know, especially when that criticism is coming from someone whom they really trust a lot, right? You know, they begin to believe this narrative of, oh, you know, since they care and love me so much, you know, since they are, you know, my spouse or my parents or my child or my friend, then what they are saying about me. Must be true. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Good Life Podcast with me, Nur. You know, thank you so much for being a listener, wanting to consciously learn, grow, and invest in yourself and your future. I'm genuinely so happy and grateful for all the love and support that we've gotten from you. You know, I love reading all of your messages, all of your insights from the episodes, and seeing. How it has truly transformed your life. So you know, thank you, you guys. You know, for allowing us to actually serve you in this beautiful and meaningful way. And in today's episode, we're gonna be talking about the three. Common toxic habits that ruin relationships. So, have you ever wondered why your relationships never seem quite as joyful and intimate as you would like it to be? You know, many of us tend to think that as long as we choose the right partner, everything else will fall into place. However, you know, people in the best relationships they know that it takes conscious effort to avoid falling into. A rut. You know, we all want to have a peaceful, loving, and harmonious relationship with our significant other and the people that we love in our life. But you know, sometimes life gets in the way and causes us to lose focus of what's most important. You know, it causes us to go into bad relationship habits that lead to endless bitter fights and arguments. So you know, healthy daily habits are a way to. To actively bring the positive into the focus of the relationship dynamic, and they are essential to maintaining a solid relationship. And for this very reason, individuals in any relationship they need to consciously and deliberately add positive interactions into the relationship in order to keep a good balance between the inevitable negatives and the positives. So let us deep dive. On the three common relationship wrecking habits we often see today, number one, it's criticism. Right, so habitual criticism can really corrode the very foundation of a relationship, and that is not an overstatement. You know, in fact, criticism is so damaging that you know the relationship researcher and expert John Gottman identified it as one of the top predictors of divorce. And you know, this is also applicable for non-married couples too. As long as you are in a relationship. 
And you know, when criticism is present, it can really affect the quality of your relationship. So you know, what exactly is criticism? Basically, it is a complaint that is expressed as a corrective flaw. So you know, it becomes more of a personal attack on the individual rather than the behavior that is seen as not desirable for you. So you know, let's go into understanding why people. Actually, criticize. So people often resort to criticism as a form of self-protection. You know, because attacking or blaming someone else is a less vulnerable act than revealing what you really need from them. So you know, reacting and lashing out requires way less effort than actually taking a step back to really think about the situation that you are looking in right now, and you know, deciding. How How you then choose to respond to it, you know, in a respectful manner, one where you share your needs and thoughts clearly. You know, I feel that it's much easier to poke your partner by telling them that they are the one with the problems than to drop our shield of criticism and say, you know, my needs are not being met right now. So help me. So another tip to also take note: um, if you want to know if you are constructive. Voicing a complaint or just plain criticizing a partner, I would like to invite you to consider the kind of language that you are using. So criticism is frequently doled out in the form of "you always" or "you never" kind of statements, right? So, for example, you know, a, a critical partner might say, "Oh my God, you always leave your dirty laundry around for me to clean up." You know, you are such an inconsiderate and Selfish person, you never consider my feelings at all. Versus the situation with a partner, you know, who is not critical, they would probably say something along the lines of, "Hey, you know, I'm feeling extremely overwhelmed by all the dirty laundry piling up. Can you perhaps help me? You know, put them in the washer, and it would really help me a lot." So notice how the second statement shifts from people blaming to identifying the action or behavior that needs to be changed, and it's where you actually state your need. So healthy feedback is about the behavior. And not so much about the person, right? You know, we can tell our partner, you know, what we think or how we feel without criticizing them as an individual, without making them feel small and belittled. So you know, if you are choosing to speak in absolutes, using harsh words or attacking your partner's character, it is probably criticism, right? And it's something that will not end up to be a productive discussion. You know, when your comments include profanities or demeaning labels, it really kills any value your message has, and it makes the feedback pointless. And you know that is the reason why concerns raised in the form of criticism is often ignored. You know because of the manner in which the message is delivered. So you know as what I shared earlier, criticism is something that is damaging to any relationship because number one, it chips away at a person's self-esteem. Right, so as anyone who has been on the receiving end of criticism, they would know this fact: words cut deep. 
They really, really do, right? So words have, you know, special powers. They have the power to connect with others in, you know, a positive and impactful way. But they can also be weapons of mass destruction too. It can really hurt someone and leave permanent psychological trauma within, right? So repeated criticism may shake the person's confidence and eventually it makes them doubt their ability to do things right. It makes them doubt their ability to trust in themselves. It can really make the person question their value and their worth, you know, especially when that criticism is coming from someone whom they really trust a lot, right? You know, they begin to believe this narrative of, oh, you know, since they care and love me so much, you know, since they are, you know, my spouse or my parent or my child or my friend, then what they are saying about me must be true. And the person just continues to believe those things said about them, you know, beating themselves up for being useless and a failure, instead of really focusing on the actual behavior that needs to be changed. And I feel that another thing that criticism affects is it it destroys intimacy, right? You know, over time, criticism, it widens the emotional distance between you and your partner. You know, the warm, positive feelings you once shared diminishes through being exposed to constant criticism and it's replaced by the resentment, the contempt and the hostility. So, you know, that person who's been criticized won't feel safe anymore in the relationship because they would feel like they are being judged and put down constantly. And, you know, when there is no psychological safety in the relationship, it disrupts the foundation for emotional and sexual intimacy, right? So feeling psychologically safe means feeling internally relaxed, open and connected with the self and the person that you are in a relationship with and not one where you feel distant, protective or overly cautious because, you know, those feelings of being overly cautious and hyper-vigilant on your surroundings, it really triggers the self-protective mechanism within, right? And this actually activates your fight, flight, and freeze response, pulling you further in, you know, the cycle of reacting rather than responding. And I feel that this really draws you further and further away from being loved and close to that person that you are in a relationship relationship with. And the third factor, you know, in terms of how criticism actually affects the relationship is it's not actually effective in getting your partner to change their ways. You know, instead of encouraging that person to think about changing their behavior, what criticism does, it triggers defensiveness, right? So when a person is being attacked, their guard goes up and they become, you know, not in a state to really hear what you're trying to see to them. So if you are criticizing a partner, you know, nothing you say will be fully heard by them, right? It will just come off as noise to them, you know, and, and noise is something that does not lead to anything productive. Number four, criticism, you know, when it's done on a constant basis, 
it may actually be a form of emotional abuse. So, you know, an emotional abusive partner, they use tactics such as criticism amongst, you know, many others to exert control and power in the relationship so that they can maintain the upper hand. But not, you know, everyone who is critical of their partner is an emotional abuser. So for instance, when you called your partner lazy because they decided to watch TV instead of helping you with the household chores like they promised, it was probably a misguided attempt at asking for help with household chores and not exactly an effort to demean your partner. You know, we all get, you know, overwhelmed or frustrated at times and sometimes we resort to criticism to attract their attention, but that does not not make us emotional abusers, right? But if you frequently lash out and criticize your partner, no matter what they do, right? For the way they dress, the way they walk, you know, their job, their family, their friends, or, you know, an aspect of personality, you know, for example, you know, you telling them that they are always overly, you know, emotional, overly sensitive, then it could be a sign of emotional abuse, right? So with that said, I would like to share with you some tips on how you can go about communicating your needs better, you know, without being critical. So focus on what you want, right? Instead of what you don't want from your partner and and be respectful with your requests. And, you know, by focusing on what you want, you know, it allows you to channel your attention and energy in communicating the facts, you know, your needs instead of actually accusing and blaming your partner. So, you know, try to open up the discussion about what's bothering you using the phrasing of I feel. So this is where you insert, you know, whatever you're feeling right now about. So this is where you insert whatever is bothering you right now. And I need insert whatever your needs are right now. So an example would be, I feel worried that the bills are not being paid and I need for us to sit down together so that, you know, we could go over our expenses to be covered. And then you could also add a liner of, I know you're busy right now, you know, so when would be a good time for us to discuss about this? So honesty and clarity in what you need is really, really important, right? And when you can't allow yourself to be truthful and honest in the relationship, you can't possibly build the trust and respect with one another, So, you know, conflicts, arguments is inevitable, right? You know, in any relationship, even the strongest and healthy relationships, you know, they would also go through conflicts and arguments. So it's not the number of conflicts and arguments that, you know, the couple actually go through, but it is how they go about navigating through those conflicts, right? So fighting dirty never ends well. You know, toxic couples usually fight to win. You know, they use fights as an opportunity to tear the other person down, to hit below the belt, to get out all the anger and, you know, resentment that they feel towards their partner, projecting everything, you know, all the negativity within outwards, right? So dirty fights are a sign that the resentment level in the relationship has hit its limit, right? So these fights are usually full of hostility and contempt and each person is overcome by the desire to win, win, win and prove their case rather than coming together, 
you know, working together as a team to lovingly and respectfully resolve the issue together, right? So toxic habit number two, this is avoiding serious discussions. So, you know, if you are in a relationship where each time you try to bring into the discussion something serious, something that is important to you to talk about with your partner, and, you know, by serious topics, you know, this could mean, you know, discussing about the long-term financial plans, right? Whether they want to have kids, you know, how are the kids going to be raised? Where will you live once you are married? You know, what are the roles and responsibilities expected in the relationship? Are they even open to therapy if issues get out of hand, if they get unresolved within the relationship? So, you know, things like that. So you find that each time time that you do bring it up, you know, you realize that, hey, you know, your partner either lashes out at you for bringing it up or you know, they shut down or they try to deflect and change the topic. So, you know, if this is something that you are observing and experiencing in your own relationship, please know that it is not healthy, right? Because this is a form of stonewalling. It's a way of checking out of the conversation. So stonewalling involves avoiding a topic by being silent. It could involve changing the subject, you know, or ignoring their partner by scrolling through their phone instead of listening or simply leaving the room. So essentially, stonewalling shuts down a conversation. And, you know, there could be a number of reasons why a person stonewalls and checks out of these conversations. So it could be that, you know, these conversations have gone badly in the past for them, maybe with you, maybe with someone else, and they figured that they don't want that to happen again. It might also be that they believe that having these conversations will require them to be accountable and make, you know, changes that they are simply not interested in making. You know, it could be getting a better job, getting into rehab to get the addiction issues attended to. It could be thinking about marriage plans with you. So whatever it is that they're trying to avoid facing and addressing within, right? So them stonewalling is because they just don't want to go there with you, you know, but even though the problem seems to lie with the person who stonewalls, you know, the other partner plays some form of a role too, right? Because after all, a conversation ends only if you let it end, right? It's not just how they respond to you when you bring up these conversations. It is also about how you respond to their refusal to have them. So like for instance, you know, a husband tries to bring up a topic his wife doesn't want to discuss. It could be, for instance, the topic of having children. And, you know, when he brings it up, she begins to cry. So the husband seeing the wife cries in turn feels bad for making her cry. And so he immediately backs off from the topic and he turns his attention instead to her tears. So they now have both backed away from the original topic. The husband backed away from the conversation to avoid causing his wife more distress. 
And for the wife, she avoided the topic by going into emotional distress. So both parties ended up being afraid of something. And therefore, you know, even if it wasn't you who withdrew from the conversation, but in a way, you have colluded to their avoidance by not bringing it up again even after your partner has recovered from that distress. So, you know, I feel that the way to go about this is to see the need to respond differently to this withdrawal in the face of difficult topics. And it is through setting a boundary, not an ultimatum, but a boundary. So there is a difference, you know, between a boundary and an ultimatum. A boundary is about setting a limit for yourself. It is based on the standards that you set for yourself. However, you know, an ultimatum, it's all about controlling someone by insisting that they change. And the thing we all know about change is that we cannot impose change onto another person, right? Because only they can want that change for themselves. And, you know, with ultimatums, you know, it usually sends across a very harsh message, one that is often filled with anger and negativity, you know, but a a boundary, it's often kind and firm, one that is delivered with love and confidence and one that clearly states the limit you are setting for yourself. So, you know, a boundary might sound something like, you know, honey, I love you and you mean so much to me and it is upsetting to see you get so anxious when I bring up certain topics. I want us to have an intimate and long-lasting relationship and I feel that a relationship where we can't talk about the pertinent and basic life issues won't be fulfilling for either one of us. You know, it won't allow us to be truly connected with each other if so much is floating unsaid in the air between us. The thing is, I can't be responsible for your anxiety or those emotions that you keep being triggered by. I can't be here to fix you. I am not here to fix you. And what I am asking from you is I need us to get help with our communication in order for me to feel assured that we are, you know, moving towards the same common goal, you know, which is what I very much want for us. So, you know, that is an example of how you communicate your boundary with your partner, one that is full of love and yet still assertive on your needs. And if you find yourself in a situation that you know, they keep shutting down this conversation before you are able to even finish what you need to say, you can still enforce your boundary, you know, in one of these two ways. So firstly, you can actually set up an appointment with a couples therapist, right? A neutral party which will allow the both of you to experience a way of having these difficult conversations that feels more connecting rather than acrimonious, right? And this can help to diffuse any tension or anxiety that your partner feels when you think about these difficult topics. You know, but if your partner were to refuse to go for couples therapy, then don't let that hold you back from getting the professional help that you need for yourself, right? Go ahead and make an appointment for your own therapy therapy session. And I feel that this is something that is really important because not only will it help to preserve your boundary of getting help with a communication problem, at least, you know, your role in it, you know, to understand where are your weak 
points that need improvement, but it also helps you learn how to set and maintain those healthy boundaries in your relationships, right? And with that said, it's important for you to take note and to observe that lack of accountability on your partner's part to work on themselves, because that is a huge red flag that shouldn't be ignored. Right? If they refused to change or try to understand your feelings and your needs, then there is nothing more that can be done in your part. You know, and you are essentially left with two options. Either you leave and strive towards a better life for yourself without them, or if you choose to stay, you have to be able to live with the consequence of being in a potentially unhappy and unfulfilling relationship. And, you know, this decision can be really hard at times because, you know, a person with toxic qualities also has good qualities, you know, which kind of puts us in this huge predicament, right? And we tend to think that if we tried hard enough, we can draw those positive qualities out of them even further, you know, and to inspire them to change and be a better person. But the hard truth is this, my dear friends. It rarely works that way. Because, you know, the only way people can change if they and they alone recognize that there is a problem and they want to willingly fix it, right? And no matter how many positive qualities they may have or ones that you see in them, the only one that really matters is a strong desire within them to make the relationship work. Right, And if they don't have that, if they aren't ready to make that commitment towards change for themselves and for the relationship, then everything else is futile. It's going to be useless. Toxic habit number three, not having your own time apart from each other. You know, we all have that friend who mysteriously ceased to exist as soon as they got into their relationship, right? I think this is a pretty common sight. You know, they meet someone new and they suddenly stop hanging out with their friends. Or, you know, they suddenly decide to love everything the new partner loves. So the problem with allowing your identity to be consumed by a romantic relationship or any relationship for that matter is that, you know, you lose your unique sense of self and your purpose, right? And you will find yourself really hard to truly contribute to the relationship. And, you know, I feel that there's nothing worse than being in a relationship feeling like you can't be yourself, where you don't even know who you are without them, where you are constantly walking on eggshells and, you know, monitoring everything you say or do, where you don't even recognize the person this relationship is turning you into. And, you know, when this happens enough times, the spark and fire between the both of you will soon be extinguished and what were once sparks will only become friction, right? Because, you know, a healthy and strong relationship requires both individuals who are self-actualized or minimally striving towards the path of self-actualization and coming together to support and grow each other. You know, it is important to occasionally get some distance from your partner, 
assert your independence. You know, maintain some hobbies or interests that are yours and yours alone. Have you know even separate friends on your own, and remember what made you you. You know what drew you to your partner in the first place. So those are the three common toxic habits that often ruin relationships. Number one, it's criticism. Number two, it's avoiding having serious discussions. And number three, it's not having your own time apart from each other. So you know, I hope that today's episode. Help to enlighten you in your journey of introspection. Let me know what you think about the episode. You know, I would love to hear them. Drop us a DM. Share with us your insights. And as usual, here is leaving you with a quote to ponder upon. Let July be July. Let August be August. And let yourself just be, even in the uncertainty. You don't have to fix everything. You don't have to solve everything, and you can still find peace and growth, even in the wildest things that are changing and going on around you. So thank you so much again to each and every one of you for listening all the way through. You know we truly do appreciate your time and your effort. You know in investing in yourself. So stay safe, everyone. Be bold, be beautiful, and stay the amazing you that you are. Take care, everyone.